Hello, namaste, sasriya kaal, and salamu alaikum, and welcome to The Culture Pot, the show that celebrates the music, the culture, and the people of the world. And today, I'm celebrating a, a good friend of mine, actually, a guy called Derek Cheshire, who is a professional speaker. He's a radio presenter, like me, on an Asian radio station, I believe, as well. And I thought I was the only one. Um, he's also a comedian, and he's a specialist in helping people to use their minds better. He teaches people or guides people on how to think more strategically. Um, thanks for coming on the show, Derek. How are you today? I'm absolutely fine, given, given, given the circumstances we find ourselves in. Well, we we might as well confess that in, in your case, Derek, I think you're actually quite enjoying the time to chill out and the more civilised way people are driving and the, the time in the house with your wife, as I am at home. But uh, we both know it's not like that for everybody. We can only count our blessings, can't we? Indeed. It also means that I'm uh, I'm doing lots and lots of DIY and gardening. Ah, okay. Uh, you know what I'm getting out of that? Uh, my partner's house is relatively new, and I've just done a load of DIY in my own house. Um, although that's frustrating, having a mortgage in a three-bedroom house 10 miles away that God knows what's happening to it. I might get back and find squatters. Um, so, Derek, you know how the um, the process works. I'm a big believer that um you know we although a lot of us are born with a potential destiny in mind things can happen to knock us off the path i'm really interested in finding out about your childhood who was derek cheshire as a kid growing up um so fill me in go right back to the start well i actually have, have this have this vision because on that there's a there was a photograph that um well, my, when my wife found it, she she decided she liked it. But it was some, something that, that one of the very few I remember that that was in a photograph album that my mother had was actually me because we lived in a we lived in a council council flat. Well, maisonette technically, ground floor, so we had had a garden. The picture was of me in the in the snow in well, it would have been what 1962 i think 62 63 he heavy snow there was me thick jumper red well black and white photo but they were red tartan trousers playing in the snow so um yeah the, the my earliest memories are are of playing um and that that is something that i think has that certainly stayed with me over the past um however many years Far too many to count on my fingers and toes. Anyway, so yeah, I I I, I was always always keen to play. Um, I was I was always getting in trouble at school as well. Um, I was I, I don't know. I, no, I didn't I, I didn't entertain people in the, in 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 the way that you maybe suggested with the with the with, with all the comedy gags. But yeah, I was accused by my teachers of being a being a smart guy, I had the, uh, I always had the reply for things, and uh, I, I don't know. Did that sometimes I, I, annoy them? Sorry. Did that sometimes annoy the teacher that you were the, the you you were the wrong kind of clever for them? 
Um, yeah, I was the yeah, I was the wrong kind of clever. They were the they were very they were the yeah the retorts and sort of silly sort of things. But also, I you, know, you don't like to say, oh, I'm clever. But I, I I guess you know I got decent exam grades. I was in the it was in the days when we had streaming, so I was in the top stream and everything. And I think that, I think that was that was quite annoying. They expected it of some of the less attentive kids, but but not of me. Um, and you know there there were certain. You know, I know I, I don't play back childhood like a um, like a video, but I can remember certain things. Uh, another thing I remember, wind forward probably 13, 14 years was um, secondary school, and we because the school had got so big, we the, the first years we occupied what used to be an old primary school old building it had this lovely wooden block flooring that was highly polished and i can vividly remember uh, one of our teachers he had hold of, hold of the scruff of my neck and i was just walking down the corridor and he was effectively water skiing behind me i was pulling this guy down down the corridor and just little things like that i have uh, little i don't know what you'd call them vignettes i suppose little snapshots of of all, I think, all I think they call it episodic memory i might be mistaken i might be mistaken derek um but i know that you have uh, one of the things that you um posted on social media or it might have been on linkedin and uh, i was really impressed by it you were talking about brainstorming um and how what most people do is they throw out the good ideas so what can we do to make our company more productive and you turned it on its head and said listen you'll get far more answers so you know you'll, you'll come up with more ideas if you look at the question what can we do to stop our company being productive and then reverse those answers and i was really impressed because it, it works you know so will you, is that something that you started to study and learn later or were you always somebody that looked at things in a different way those sort of techniques i i get i came across later when i did uh when i did an open university um, mba and there was a creativity module and as part of that we we were introduced to using a whole load of these things and when 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 you should use them and when not to use them etc but doing things in a slightly different way um, is has always been there in, in in a way because i mean one one of the things that you can do with creativity is if you have a problem or a situation you change the boundaries um mo most most times people would you would say oh i can't buy i can't buy a new computer because it's too expensive i only got i've only got 500 pounds or i can't buy a new computer because there's no computer shop near me that's a simple problem but if but if you say well what if you had 550 pounds or what what if you could get to that computer shop and you you start to make things possible by relaxing the boundaries or reframing it and that's the sort of thing I've done for ages. I'm as another silly example, probably from from childhood, was um, used to sort of say, "Mum, can I go out on my bike?" I used to love riding riding my bike around. Um, 
And they'd say, yeah, as long as you're in by eight o'clock. Okay, that's fine. Off I'd go. It would it would get to five it would get to five to eight. And I think, oh crikey, I'm supposed to be home. So I'd turn my watch back to five to seven or five to six. And then when I was an hour or two hours late home and got told off, but my watch only says eight o'clock now. Um I, I just right. I just reframed the problem slightly. <laughs> you reframe reality to fit your spin. I love it. Okay. My uh, frame on, of reference. Derek, what what song would you like me to play for your first track? Oh, I'm I'm just just trying to think. Well, I mean, one one of my favourite um, uh, some of my favourite tracks come from. I don't, do you remember the that uh, TV um, TV series they made about Red Car, the Mighty Red Car? No. No, it was it was all about Red Car and its fortunes and things. But the music tracks they they played from there were that they were all from the sort of mid eighties, which was um, quite quite interesting. It, it was exactly my my stuff. So I I, I love that. So a, a, anything from that area. I mean, um, one of the ones that um, springs to mind is. Actually, Culture Club, um, Karma Chameleon. So that that'll do for the first one, I think. Great, let's play it. Okay, so welcome back to the Culture Pop, the show that celebrates the music, the culture, and the people of the world. And today's guest is somebody who thinks differently, uh, Derek Cheshire. Where are you based, by the way, Derek? I'm I'm in the People's Republic of um, South Yorkshire, Sheffield. But you don't sound like you're from Sheffield originally. Where are you from originally? I I, I don't like to admit this in public, but I suppose this is as public as it gets. Origin originally I'm from Croydon, which oh, is oh wonderful, which is famous for very little apart from <laughs> it's got, it's got it's got Luna House where everybody who's claiming asylum has to go to, to um, claim asylum. And East Croydon Station was featured in the opening credits of Terry and June when that used to be, uh, used to be on television. But apart well, from that, I can't uh, think of anything else it's famous for. I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Liverpool, of course, famous for yours or yous, gives a job. And uh, I'm still seeking asylum for the rest of the UK. I don't know if they'll give me a passport, even though I've been living in Yorkshire for the last, what is it now, 25, 20, maybe more years, almost 30 years. No, I, um, we need to put you in isolation. Yeah, well, we're all in isolation right now. So, you know, before when you were talking, before um, we played Comic Chameleon, you, when you were talking about making slight changes to the way we think about something and, and, and how we can create more opportunities. Uh, that made me think about, because uh, I like to think differently, it made me think about the idea of becoming, you know, more selfless, right? Um, I, I've got a logical argument as to how selfishness leads to worse outcomes than altruism. Right. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. You had no idea I was going to hit you with this. Right. If, if we're selfish, 
it means that the possibilities that we can consider as being useful things to do, useful steps to take, useful directions to go, are limited because we're only concerned with this one individual and we'll probably miss all kinds of other counterintuitive paths that might actually benefit us. But if we think about helping others, one, we're much more likely to succeed um, because it's easier to make other people happy than it is to make oneself happy. But also we, we massively increase the scope of what is considered as a productive action because you know and you know we're considering how to help that person or that person or that person and we actually end up benefiting ourselves more by being altruistic is there a name for that kind of thought process there might not be but i just thought i'd throw it in there not that i'm that i'm aware of but um, when, when you think about it it, it is it is entirely entirely logical because whether whether you're talking about ideas or or, or actions, whatever sort of outcomes you're talking talking about, I mean, I mean, my my world is the world of, of, of creativity. But what you get more out, for, for, well, there's there's two there's two things that help you get more out. One is connections. So if you sit in a darkened room on your own, then your outputs are extremely limited um, because whatever you do, whatever you think about, it's just your experiences up, up to that, that point in time. So when you start to make connections, I, and, and people generally are fairly sociable, when you start to make connections, you start to draw on um, other, other people's experiences so if you're trying to do something whether it's um positive actions or lots of ideas just interacting with people will help you don't have to do anything it will just help and the other the other thing what well, I, I i lost i lost my train of thought there but yeah the, the connect no, the connection that no no but yeah it, it, it was it was actually related to comedy actually it was um one of the things that helps us um, uh, create particularly ideas, but anything, is, is that sort of creative tension. So, for instance, when you get, the, you get your traditional double act where you have the straight man and the funny man, where you, ha where you, have, where you just have some sort of tension, it's, if you think of sitcoms as well, those are the things where you get... You, you get the, the juxtaposition of something funny or ridiculous happening and some, something normal. So if you think of, I don't know, something recent, not going out, for instance, is, is very typical or some, something that may, may or may not resonate with your listeners, but um, certainly being quite funny, is uh, Citizen Khan. You mix, the, you mix the, the ridiculous with the, with the sensible and out of it comes something. Sometimes it could be laughed up. In the world of creativity, it's ideas. So we know that as mixing people together. So you get a, people from different backgrounds, people from different cultures together. And that's, that, that's well, what yeah. happens. It's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's more productive with, with um, as we say, con contrasting people and, and more people. 
I've got, yeah, I'm going to, um, I've, I've got some more questions on there, and I hope I don't lose my train of thought. No, you've um, probably got so, some notes. Uh, you know what, I, I, I wing it. I, I, I think interviews are far better when you allow them to be fluid. But I, I, I do have a question for you. Um, but let's play another track. What have you got for us, Derek? What have I got for you? I think... I think we could possibly go for something a little a little more rocky. How about a bit of ACDC? It's a long way to you the top. I... Brilliant. So, Derek Cheshire here on The Culture Pot, uh, radio presenter, comedian, expert on creativity. That's what's come through most during this interview. Um, I want to go back to your childhood and, and ask you some other questions. I'm interested in, I mean, I know you were smart. That's quite clear. Um, and, and you were the clever one in the class, the, the annoying one that wouldn't give the teachers the uh, the answers they were expecting and yeah, I think you've 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 said earlier that uh, I think they were a bit frustrated that this guy from a, a council estate or a maisonette was doing so well. Um, and I think back in those days, uh, we're from a similar generation. Teachers weren't as um, they were a different breed than the teachers we've got today. Let's just say a little bit more egotistical. I think, and you've said that the teachers kind of would have liked you to have failed. I'm probably being a little bit unfair, a bit provocative there. But what I'm interested in finding out is starting with hobbies and interests, what you were interested in and what you excelled at. So let's look at outside of school. What were your hobbies and interests outside of school? To be honest, when I was at primary school, it was pr it, it literally was just riding my bike anywhere I could. So I'd tear up and down the road, friends lived in a sort of close where there's a huge you could, there was a huge great sort of circle with with a green in the middle so we used to tear around that and um we used to we're right where we lived was right on the edge of really of the of the south downs so there was a lot of sort of cross-country trails i suppose um through the woods and across the grass plenty of mud to ride through as well that was i used to come home plastered in mud so when i when i was at primary school that that was really the main thing that and if i was if i was cooped up inside there were there i i used to make sort of fx kits and things used to have bombers suspended above the bed and um and at, at secondary school i started getting into into sport a bit more so played quite a lot of basketball for most of my secondary school years. Oh, I know you're quite tall, aren't you? Um, I, I am. Tall? Unfortunately, I'm probably as wide as I am tall now, but that wasn't that hasn't always been the case. It's weird. I, I was expecting you to say reading for some reason. I think when when we were talking off air, I had an image in my head of maybe you having some kind of quirky, entertaining. Uh, hobby like the sort of that kid that would show you what they'd done with their chemistry set but something a little bit off the wall like they'd made explosives <laughs> or or maybe that that kid that was really good at magic were you were you not like a student a, a studious kid 
Not really. I, when, I, when I was smaller, I did read a lot, um, but I, I quickly sort of exhausted the kids' library at the local library. And I used to, there was a, a sort of not quite so advanced section, bit of the adults' library, which like had all the Sherlock Holmes novels in it. That's, and uh, I know I went, I, I went through those very quickly. So I, I, I think most, most Saturdays I'd have probably gone down to the library and got, got three books and read them. Um, but when, 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 when secondary school came, I think that uh, sort of went uh, by the by a bit. And uh, I mean, as I said, played an awful lot of basketball, but I played hockey, rugby, did athletics. The only things I didn't do, I think, were probably football and cricket. Um, yeah, it was all rugby in in my school. I went to a private school, um, which was weird. The only other people who were like from my area of Liverpool, from Toxteth, that were in that school were the um, the offspring of drug dealers. Mm. Everybody else um, was old money, basically. Uh, I got a scholarship to go to a private school. So um, it's interesting you mentioned Sherlock Holmes there because. Uh, you know, when you, when you read in those kind of books, you, you're looking at a mystery, a problem to be solved. Did you used to be able to solve the crime before you got to the end of the book? No, to, to be honest, I didn't really try and solve the crimes. Um, I just used to, I just used to like the stories, um, and it, 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 I suppose it's old old school writing, if you like the. A lot, a, a lot of people. When you these days, when you introduce them to storytelling, and you think they think of stories, if you said, "Well, um, create a story for me," and I'm, I'm I'm thinking that it's got to have a princess, an oak tree, an elephant, and a bicycle in it, they try and create in their head some form of almost a scenario which has all these weird objects in. Whereas when I when I had it described to me that that a story doesn't have to sort of contain these things, it's just something that links these. It's a place to go between these these objects. So the story is the linking thing. It's not necessarily the whole setting for everything. And I think I think I, I was just quite I just enjoyed um, the Sherlock Holmes things because. You had a slightly unusual narrative, but by the time, I mean, yes, when it was explained, you've got a slightly different version of it, but it all seemed so plausible, you know, sort of, um, I, I can remember um, Hound of the Baskervilles, for instance, um, everything seemed, seemed relatively plausible. It, if you suspend belief um, right at the beginning, then ev everything is possible. You just pull the string and the story unravels a bit a bit like um well, that's a bit like harry potter i suppose um, mm -hmm. so that that's another one of my favorites but that's uh, that's a few years later okay so derek listen the interview is unraveling so it's time for another song um what are you gonna pick oh i'm gonna i'm gonna pick something by Bron bronski beat um from the it was i guess from the al album Hundreds and thousands. It's Small Town Boy. Great song. Okay, so if you've just joined us on the Culture Pot, I've been having a leisurely chat 
uh, with the inimitable Derek Cheshire, who is a specialist in creative creativity, creative thinking. He's also a comedian, a stand-up comedian, radio presenter. Um, just a very interesting guy. I've really enjoyed the interview so far. So, Derek, we've 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 looked at, at your childhood, and um, you know, I said to you off there. It seems to me like you've had quite a quite a happy childhood. There was no kind of like negative programs there that would make you want to go and conquer the world. Um, and you've, you've said a little bit about your hobbies and interests, but where were you academically? I know you were smart, but what were you interested in? And where did it look like your career was going to go? So I'm looking at the years of like 15 to 20, really. Well, when I, when I, when I did my O-levels at the um, mild, most of them, well, the, we we all had to do certain core subjects anyway. But the the the, the thrust really was sort of maths and science. I were I'm, I'm I was quite good at maths. Um, we, we, in fact, I was in our set. We all took our maths a year early, and we didn't retake it in 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 the final year. We did other things, but maths was I, I enjoyed maths. And I enjoyed all of the sciences, chemistry, uh, biology, and and physics. Um, I, I enjoyed all those. I wasn't quite so hot on languages. Um, I, I didn't didn't mind didn't mind English, but English literature was. Um, I I, rem I remember, actually, we we went to see. Uh, it was I can't remember which theatre it was in London, Mermaid Theatre, I think it was. I went to see Henry the Fourth Part One and. Um, I remember I was lucky I was in the front row because the teachers were no were nowhere near me, but I but I had uh, a bottle of something I shouldn't have had um, underneath my seat. So literature wasn't my thing, but science and science and maths definitely were. Um, the grades, to be honest, weren't too bad. So after that, I did sixth form, and that that was that was pretty much the same. I dropped the biology, but I did um, did do uh chemistry physics and, and 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 double maths so i was i was a scientist all the time not not really creative thinking so because uh, i i started life as an engineer and i tend to think that most engineering problems um, are squared circle problems. You, you do have to think creatively. Um, I'm a big fan of people like Leonardo da Vinci and the concept of the science artist. Um, and is, is, would you not say that that's what? Uh, sorry, I know I'm like diving in here. Would you not say that that's the secret? Real creativity is scientific and artistic, like a game of chess, where everything moves in in you know logical sequenced steps. But to win the game, sometimes you've got to pick the uh, the wild card. Uh, well, in an in an ideal world, yes. I mean, one of my pet peeves, if you like, is. Um... Well, as you know, because you're you're just up the road here, and just um, on the edge of Sheffield, we've got the advanced manufacturing park where you know McLaren and Boeing and every, and they they have their own apprentices and they have um, engineers training schemes. And I had I've had a I had a huge great um, it wasn't a, a physical confrontation; it was a electronic confrontation with somebody who who actually um, set set the courses for that um my my argument was that yes you can teach all these people 
about engineering, engineering drawings, how to calculate stresses and design and, and all the stuff. But if you don't teach them a bit of creative thinking, what are you going to get? I mean, if you did it with architects, you would get all these horrible um, steel framed build, you know, these these buildings that are made of grey girders and then they put cladding on them and that, and that's it. You wouldn't get a shard or a gherkin or or what else? You you need a bit. You need a bit of. You need need a bit of creative thinking. A bit. Hello. So welcome back to the Culture Pop, the show that celebrates the music, the culture, and the people of the world. So Derek Cheshire, all the way in South Yorkshire, although with a Croydon-ish accent. Um, tell me. I wasn't surprised when I heard that you're into your maths and your sciences, to be honest. Um, I'm looking at your career now. So tell us about your first job and jobs. How did your career unfold? Um, I the, My first ever job was with a company called um, Logica. They were a, a software company. Um, and basically, I, 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 I sort of... Did that for in in different guises or a number of different ways. Um, they were just the sort of big sort of turnkey software company that did bespoke systems, big projects, um, lots of, lots of lots of lots of money for the company, etc. Um, but I, I I gradually changed. Um, I I and I ended up over the years doing more sort of embedded computing so all these nice little devices that have software in them and I, I i ended i ended up the last ever real job i had um was um we we, we produced video phones so long before your um a smartphone came along um there, there were a sort of breed of phone desktop phone if you like with a screen where you could see pictures of people. And the reason these were being de developed was the government was putting some money into developing these sorts of communications for deaf people because right. they could actually sign on them. So you, you, as long as you get more than about 30, 35 frames a second, which is what you get from your standard smartphone, um, then people can sign quite quickly. So that that's what we were doing. But at the t we also, because we were experts in um, video and audio compression, we became part of a um, a project that was working for Orange, and they wanted a bit uh, um, a battery powered video phone that could put in your pocket. And this this was effectively the forerunner of the smartphone, but it was about the size of a it was about the size of a VHS cassette. It, it weighed about as much as a house brick, um, and the battery life was a good, a, a good, a good half an hour. What sort of year are we talking about here? We are, then? Is this like we, are to, we are talking then. You are talking about sort of two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Okay, that's so, that's really interesting. Sorry to interrupt, Derek. It's just that. Particularly what you mentioned, vid phone, or we might have called it a video phone. 
Um, I used to read a lot of sci-fi. I used to read people like Philip K. Dick, who wrote uh, Blade Runner, um, mm-hmm. the, the, which was officially known as Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep. He wrote, and he wrote things like uh, Total Recall, for example. Um, and writers like Philip K. Dick in the 1960s and 50s even, Harlan Ellison, who wrote um, Star Trek, they were predicting, well, they were predicting drones and they were predicting the vid phone. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't read sci-fi or you didn't mention reading sci-fi. No, no, I didn't. Um, I, I had a passing interest in it, but I wasn't really a, an avid fan of it. But uh, I, I suppose I almost ended up being involved in it by, by working on this thing. So, uh, but yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting to see the pace of the pace of technology because wind wind forward sort of less than 20 years and the same technology has now shrunk probably it's now i don't know probably getting on for a tenth of the size um the battery power battery life has gone from 30 minutes to on standby to almost two days for some phones so um and and, and we had 2g at the time we didn't even have 4g or 5g so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm just glad that we didn't have the same amount of ridiculous paranoia about every G um, as we do now with this 5G, but that's a completely different kettle of fish. It is. Um, I'm not going to get into that one. And then there was Ali G, of course, and he was absolutely great. He was from Staines. Indeed. Um, just at the, the time. Um, so, uh, Derek, I can't believe how fast the time is flying. What are you going to pick for your next track? Oh, God. I'm going to put you on the spot. You're going to have to try and guess again. Oh, okay. Well, I've got a feeling that you're going to go for something disco-y. Um, so I'm going to go for something either by Michael Jackson in his early years or the Jackson 5. Uh, no, no, no. How about, how, how about something from The Cure then? Oh, okay. It doesn't surprise so, me. Friday I'm... Thing. Yeah, Friday I'm in Love by The Cure. Okay, brilliant. So, welcome back to The Culture Pop, the show that celebrates the music, the culture, and the people of the world. So, Derek Cheshire, all the way in South Yorkshire, although with a Croydon-ish accent, um, tell me, I wasn't surprised when I heard that you were into your maths and your sciences, to be honest. Um I'm looking at your career now. So tell us about your first job and jobs. How did your career unfold? Um, I the, My first ever job was with a company called um, Logica. They were a, a software company. Um, and basically, I, 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 I sort of did that for in, in different guises or a number of different ways. Um, they were just the sort of big sort of turnkey software company that did bespoke systems, big projects, um, lots of, lots of lots of lots of money for the company, etc. Um, but I, I, I gradually changed. Um, I, I and I ended up over the years doing more sort of Im- embedded computing, so all these nice little devices that have software in them. And I, I, I ended I ended up the last ever real job I had. Um, was um, we, we we produced video phones, so long before your um, 
a smartphone came along, um, there, there were a sort of breed of phone, desktop phone, if you like, with a screen where you could see pictures of people. And the reason these were being developed was the government was putting some money into developing these sorts of communications for deaf people because right. they could actually sign on them. So you, as long as you get more than about 30, 35 frames a second, which is what you get from your standard smartphone, um, then people can sign quite quickly. So that, that's what we were doing. But we also, because we were experts in um, video and audio compression, we became part of a, um, a project that was working for Orange. And they wanted a, vid uh, um, a battery powered video phone that could put in your pocket. And this, this was effectively the forerunner of the smartphone, but it was about the size of a, it was about the size of a VHS cassette. It, it weighed about as much as a house brick. Um, and the battery life was a good, a, a good, a good half an hour. What sort of year are we talking about here? We are, then? Is this like we, are to, we are talking then you are talking about sort of 2001, 2002. Okay. That's, so, that's really Sorry to interrupt, Derek. It's just that, particularly what you're mentioning, vid phone, or we might have called it a video phone. Um, I used to read a lot of sci-fi. I used to read people like Philip K. Dick, who wrote uh, Blade Runner, um, mm -hmm. the, the, which was officially known as Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. He wrote, and he wrote things like uh, Total Recall, for example. Um, and writers like Philip K. Dick in the 1960s and 50s even, Harlan Ellison, who wrote um, Star Trek, they were predicting, well, they were predicting drones, and they were predicting the vid phone. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't read sci-fi, or you didn't mention reading sci-fi. No, no, I didn't. Um, I, I had a passing interest in it, but I wasn't really a, an avid fan of it. But uh, I, I suppose I almost ended up being involved in it by by working on this thing. So, uh, but yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting to see the pace of the pace of technology because wind wind forward sort of less than twenty years. And the same technology has now shrunk. Probably it's now, I don't know, probably getting on for a tenth of the size. Um, the battery power, battery life has gone from 30 minutes to on standby to almost two days for some phones. So um, and, and and we had 2G at the time. We didn't even have 4G or 5G. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that we didn't have the same amount of ridiculous paranoia about every G um, as we do now with this 5G, but that's a completely different kettle of fish. It is. Um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to get into that one. And then there was Ali G, of course, and he was absolutely great. He was from Staines. Indeed. Um, just at the, the Staines time, massive. Um, so, uh, Derek, I can't believe how fast the time is flying. What are you going to pick for your next track? Oh, God. I'm going to put you on the spot. You're going to have to try and guess again. Oh, okay. Well, I've got a feeling that you're going to go for something disco-y. Um, so I'm going to go for something either by Michael Jackson in his early years or the Jackson 5. Uh, no, no, no. How about, how, how about something from The Cure then? Oh, 
okay. It doesn't surprise so, me because uh, Friday, Friday I'm yeah Friday I'm in love by the Cure. Okay, brilliant. Okay, Derek. So um, I think that we've um, pretty much not exhausted. There's always other things you can learn, and feel free to um, dip into the past when when needed. But we've come to the point of the interview where um, I want to look at who you are now and all the different things that you do. So I'm going to start with the comedy. Um, you know, I, I know you can do stand up, but I'm pretty sure you can probably write for comedy as well. Um, how does a man go from um, software development and, and things like that and engineering to stand up comedy? Fill me in. Um, well, it go it, it probably it goes via the via the creativity really, um, and the, the the sort of where where I left the world of um, software engineering was it was an interesting time because for a long time I had always been the 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 guy at work who would say to the boss, "Why are we doing this?" Or why do we have to do it that way? And you get smacked around the head and told, because I said so. Um, and it was whilst I was in my last last um, real job, as it were, that I spotted this uh, advertisement for the Open University Business School. And they did an MBA, um, a modular MBA. And they one of the um, um, old modules was called Creativity, Innovation and Change. And it was, apart from the fact that the whole course, when I got an MBA, I could actually say to say to the boss, well, actually, there's some, we could do it completely differently, and this is maybe the way we should do it, and these are the people that that you know have come up with this theory. You know, they're not they're not idiots; they are management gurus or whatever. So, apart from that um, aspect of it, which was quite quite nice, I had. I had um, something to hit back with, if you like, um, was um, the things that we did. Um, because every, every at that time, we were lucky. Every open university um, module had a residential school. It's not the case now, sadly, but at that time it was. And the creativity uh, module was we did things like we did visualization. We did human sculpture. We we um, played, I suppose, crazy golf, if you like, round, round all the classrooms and the venues that we used. We we did palmistry. We did we collected leaves. We did all sorts of crazy things, and that was that was the time. That was really the time that I sort of left um, engineering behind. Um, I, I thought, crikey, this stuff is good. It's quite powerful. Um, um, businesses can use it. Um, I, th- I, th- I think I think my mission is to take this back into the workplace. So that 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 was that was it was at that point when me and engineering started um, started uh, start, where we we went our separate ways. I mean the company company went bust and I had two choices: what do I do? Do I do I try and get another job doing something similar, or do I do stuff on my own? And the, the doing stuff on my own probably combined with the thinking creatively probably probably led led me to go towards the 
towards the comedy although i i do have a a natural a natural sarcastic thread which also um comes to the fore sometimes so a, a lot of the a lot a lot of the raw materials were there um it just required a few things to uh, to come together to start me off well i'll tell you what um we'll come back to that in a second i just before we go to another song i'm just going to share with you at home actually how me and derek met um because I, I, we'd gone to it, we were at the same conference weren't we in October we were indeed so long. Um, it was the Inspire conference for the Professional Speaking Association and you had been on stage you delivered a comedy um, set to all these speakers well Derek I had missed it right? I don't know if I've ever told you bluntly I would missed your comedy bit because Richard McCann, our friend Richard, had introduced me to somebody and said, Martin's a magician with words. They needed some help with some branding. So I ended up um, having a chat. Uh, Charlie Bezik, you might know it. I ended up having a massive chat with Charlie Bezik, which went on all evening, right? Um, so you come out from giving your talk. And I'm there chatting to you. Oh, well, how, hello, Derek. How, how are you? What's your name? Sort of thing. And and you were you you were on like full. Of, it was as though you were you were checking me out. And I, I came away thinking this guy doesn't suffer suffer fools. But I think at the time, I'm guessing now, you're probably thinking I've just been on a bloody stage. You don't know who I am. I don't know. But you 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 eventually let me in after about. 30 minutes and then you were proper chatting to me i remember rightly that was the alcohol ah okay um yeah on, on my part did i just imagine you were more friendly on on your part <laughs> i'm only joking uh, so, well, possibly but it, but if, if 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 you miss the comedy routine you can see it it's all, all on video Oh, right. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, share that with me, and I'll share it on my Culture Pop page. Um, Derek, what are you going to give us for your next track? Um, uh, end of the Line from the Travelling Wilburys. Okay, lovely. Um, welcome back to the Culture Pot, the show that celebrates the music, the culture, and the people of the world. And uh, thank you, Derek. You've given me a lot of time today. I must... Um, remind you at home this is a recorded interview i'm having to do these from my from the comfort of my own home uh, via the um splendid technology of skype um for you know obviously social distancing and all that derek you can guess what my next question is um okay i'm gonna have to re-record because somebody just came in chatting So, Derek, before um, that last track, you were telling us about your first ever comedy gig. Um, but I think, you know, comedy is probably one of the most challenging um, presentations that anyone can be asked to deliver, I think. Um, but you're, you're also a like a business speaker as well, aren't you? Um, yes, I try to be. Um... <laughs> Although that's not my my main my main thing. My main thing, I, I guess, really is, is consultancy and and some sort of and training. But uh, speaking on on business, to well, I was going to say business topics, but yes, all related to creativity and innovation. 
Okay, do you want to tell me a little bit about um, some of the issues and the topics that you you cover? I mean, one one thing that I would put forward, just to, if you like, to prompt you, would be to say that in a lot of workplaces, there's a, a lot of sticking to how it's been done before or sticking to things that are, you know, conservative thinking. Um, do you think that businesses need to be a little bit wilder with their thinking? Um, uh, they, yeah, they, they certainly do. Are, are you able to tell us a few examples of, of stuff that you come across, of, of maybe stories where companies have, I've had a solution right on the end of their nose, but they missed it because they were looking in the wrong place. Well, not really. Um, not, um, not really, because the, the when I sort of come uh, come across companies, they they're really sort of thinking. Um, oh, I was I was going to say a, a naughty word there. But oh dearie me, they're thinking um, the recession is coming, or this is happening. What are we going to do? We need to do something. And at that point, they think you know they're going to have to do something radically different, rather than just change the the, the, the way they they work on on a normal basis. Um, and and there is an interesting example. It was the first ever. Um, it was the first ever big job I ever had was a company based in uh, Mexico, uh, just outside of Mexico City, and they made mattresses. Now, mattresses in, uh, um, in Mexico, you have to realise these are luxury purchases. They're not sort of Benson's for beds type of mattresses. These are these are quite deep. They're, they're fairly luxurious. They're, they're, they are expensive. And they made them from scratch. They took in coils of wire they made the pocket springs they rolls of foam rolls of fabric um 2000 mattresses a day they made um the trouble is with the with the recession coming they thought what are we going to do because if you know if, if you're the sort of biggest mattress manufacturer in um central and, and southern america and the second biggest um, seller of mattresses in the southern United States, then when the recession hits, you're going to be in a spot of trouble. So they, they turned over in excess of $100 million a year. So that's that's how big they were. So they, they actually just turned around and said, we think we need innovation. We don't know what it is, but we think we need it. So I did, did some work with them over, over a period of months. Um, we create, it, it's impossible to work with um, 800 employees or, uh, or however many it was all at once over a short time scale. So uh, we created the um, the Casa de las Ideas, the House of Ideas, took people from different departments um, from, uh, from the company, so operations, finance, marketing, sales, and sort of taught them creative thinking techniques so how how to how to think differently and gave them a, a, effectively a challenge five new products within within six months so they could do anything they like they could talk to anybody they like um they had the, te the technology to build prototypes and 
they did it. Um, this was May. By November that year, they had a product product launch with the Cirque, Cirque du Soleil, which was shows how excited they were about it. Um, and that was purely thinking slightly differently. Um, it it wasn't at, at that point. It wasn't rocket science. They'd started doing things like talking to Dupont and 3M and producing plastic springs, which again isn't rocket science, but what it meant was they could start selling mattresses to the hospitality industry and also mattresses to hospitals. So that was that was quite good. They they produced an adjustable top sheet for the mattress. So all the uh, most people are familiar with these comforts, not comforters, uh, that's for babies, these, these mattress toppers that you have. Well, they had something similar, but where you could actually adjust the comfort. So you could adjust the comfort of your bed. Um, and the other thing they did, which was, which, which was, epitomizes creative thinking was if you think back maybe 20 years to the old-fashioned um, department stores you go to the bed department and you've got acres of all these beds laid out you know the the, the actual real estate is is phenomenal and, and the department stores weren't that keen on it and also you couldn't show show off your mattresses that well so the they came up with this idea of it was a perspex stand at an angle which you could slot the mattress in. So it was like a wonky toast rack, if you like. So okay. it reduced it reduced the amount of space that the, the stores needed to actually stock a range of mattresses, but also it made these particular mattresses visible. And that that was the useful, I think, the really useful thing. But then after that, they realized, well, actually, we know about we know about manufacturing. We can make things. We know about people's bodies. You know, um, so what can we do? We're not very good at design. So they found two Swedish designers and formed a company called Vuge and they started producing furniture. So this was a bit ooh, it was a bit more rounded than you say Ikea furniture, which traditionally has been blocky. So if you think Mary Quant and 60s, you'll probably get the idea. So this stuff was brightly colored. It was curvy. It was based on, a lot of it was based on a steel frame. And that, that really was good. Uh, at the beginning of, of, of the time we worked with them, they had three factories. Um, they had, I think it was actually, it was around about 800 employees, but they were talking about closing a factory um, with the recession coming on. Um, by the end of this, they actually had expanded. They had 1,200 employees, a new factory, and um, sales offices in Mexicali and Madrid. So they had actually managed to ex managed to expand in a recession. Sorry, but Derek. That's all really fantastic stuff, by the way. It's it, it's uh, it's the kind of stuff that I'm personally really fascinated in. But I think I'm going to have to put on another song. So what are we going to go for? I think we're going to go for Dreams by the Cranberries. Brilliant. Okay. Here. So, Derek, you gave us quite a good case study there um, about the bed company. Um, I, 
what I'm thinking is everybody is up against one of the biggest challenges. Um, well, we're, we're all up against the biggest challenge we've had in, in decades, possibly 100 years, um, with the lockdown. What are the top five tips that you would give to businesses today to get through this current situation? Well, now you're asking. Well, actually, you are asking. Um, I, I could, pro- I could, pro- I could probably think of think of hundreds. But um, as we're talking That's- about bus- as we're talking about businesses, not individuals, the one thing at the, at the moment is it's very, very easy to actually to, to actually give a knee jerk reaction and say, "What is what is it? Can we do?" I mean, you're, you're aware as I am. You know, speakers have been. Um, going online, they've been divvying up their courses and trying to do online courses, and 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 in a way that's that that's that in a way that it, that is good because you can get through this period. But the thing I'm more interested about is what happens when all this is over. What does the um, post-coronavirus world look like? So what what I'm doing is is encouraging people to um to do a spot of visualization for this you do require some time um and to think about what what is what what is the world going to look like um so what's the marketplace going to look like who's going to be there the people you used to sell to are they going to want exactly the same things do you have the same number of employees as you did all of these questions visualize what the world is 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 going to um is, is going to look like it, it you, you might you might be right you might be 100% wrong you might be 50% right but the more people that you actually involve in creating this picture the 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 better it's going to be because everybody has got you hear about all these people called futurists who predict the future and they all have little bits of information which when put together is usually pretty pretty good so i i would i would say enter into a spot of visualization you might not call it that you might want to you might want to you might you might if you're very um logical and not very creative you might want to talk about lots of what if statements but no just imagine what this world is like is going to be like so i would first of all i would i would visualize it create some model of of, of the future mm-hmm. the next the next thing is to work is to work out how on earth you're going to get there so for this maybe use something like uh and you can use this to create a strategy anyway is to create a storyboard Every, everybody has seen something something a storyboard in action so you probably imagine several pieces of paper in a row half a dozen maybe they could be more could be less but this this vision of the future if you like put it right at the end this is where you want this is where you want to be Uh, Mm -hmm. and then work backwards in steps and make and work out what what those steps are going to be the good thing about the story is that you can incorporate the views and opinions of everybody just because a step says well let's in the case of my mattress manufacturer let's 
let's set up another company to do this. It's not actually saying this is what the company must look like. This isn't not what the logo is like. This is not how many employees it has, but just let's do this. And each person can have their own or each department or each director, if it's a company, can have their own input to make the story complete. And once you've got all the way back to the beginning, you've actually got a fairly complete company strategy. Now, all of that is is, is sort of um, big, big company stuff. But what can the company do for its employees? Now, I would this and companies, some companies have done this already, but I would suggest to companies that haven't is actually to give the employees some time and space. Now, some companies who are into into research will give their employees um, time uh, uh, you know, time for skunk works, ten percent of their time to work on pet projects, and if they come if they come to fruition, maybe they give them I don't know share, shares in it somehow, or they let them manage it or whatever. But give people some time because employees are quite perceptive um, at all levels. So even even if you have a big company, the guy who the guy who works in stores or the guy who sweeps the floors, they see things. So Got even give them time, allow them some space and time to 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 um, come up with things, observe things, and as all long right, as you. Sorry, I'm going to have to put another song on. Um, what are we going to go for next? It's, gonna some, come back? it's something you mentioned earlier. Everybody wants to rule the world. Tears for fears. Oh, you're so nice. So, Derek, we've reached the last part of the show, um, but we've still got a good five minutes. Um, you, I asked you to come up with five top tips for businesses to get through these current conditions. And I think you've given us three. You said, look, visualize what's the post-COVID world going to look like and how are you going to fit into it? Um, what's your storyboard for getting there? So what, what, are, what steps are you going to take to get there? And your third one was to give employees plenty of time and space I guess, to absorb, to adjust, to maybe come to the same conclusions as you, I'm guessing. Um, take it from there. What, what would be the next, the, 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 the next two steps or tips? Um, th these are actually, oh, I think I ought to, ought to um, give, give something for individuals. And for, in fact, companies can let individuals do these things. But I think... Um, for individuals, always have something close by that you can either you can when you have have ideas or something just comes to you, a notepad that you can scribble things down on, or there are plenty of voice recording apps and things for your phone. Just just make sure you capture these things rather than get to the end of the day and say I thought of something really good at lunchtime, but I can't remember what it was. So have a notebook or something like that. And the other thing, which sounds bizarre, is do something different regularly. So um, you could do something like um, if you walk to work, take a different route to work or 
if you normally catch the number 10 bus but you can catch the number 12 and that goes a different way why not try it see what happens just um do something these could be different experiences you could you could go you could go bungee jumping if you wanted to but on on a, on a daily basis just change something something small because the these things you see things that you wouldn't normally see find out things you wouldn't normally find out and sometimes they can also just um, sort of un unlock ideas or or or, or 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 something else for you. So the, the last two things are for for um, employees um, or even people who work on their own. I like that. Yeah, I, I um, thinking back um, to, to what you said about the voice messages. I'm not going to give a brand name here, but um, if you at home are listening and you're wondering, you know, a good technique, something that I do, Derek, um, on, on I, I use a special type of software and I use the free version of it um, to show a Kanban chart where you've mm -hmm. got a column on the left-hand side that says to do, um, and then you've got in progress, and then your next column next to that is done. And then if it's a paid project, it'll be invoiced and then archived once it's paid. But the good thing about that, especially if uh, I've got one particular page that I use, which is the scheduling page. Mm. So I've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I drop in what I'm going to do. So if I suddenly get an idea, um, for example, oh, I think I'll create some branded mugs. I just click the button. It's on the front screen of my smartphone. It comes up, add the note, enter. It takes seconds and it's there. So next time you're at your desk, you can see what the idea was. So I hope that's helped people. You've been absolutely fantastic today, Derek. Um, I think that your main area at the moment, given the lockdown and all the rest of it, is consulting, isn't it? You're, I mean, people can come to you. For well, help and advice. Um, yes, but what I've actually done, and some people may have already seen this, I was working on a concept which I was going to call um, rethinking, which combines the because people talk about innovation, they talk about disruption, they talk about incremental innovation, and all these things, they are actually the same. It's just the 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 behaviours you exhibit and some of the things you do and the decisions you make. Are slightly different or of different sizes but it, they're essentially the same anyway I was calling this process rethinking with the idea of I was going to talk about it stand on a stage and talk about it um, run workshops do do consulting and then the coronavirus hit so I thought well instead of taking my time I, I launched it without I'll say it sounds terrible without thinking it through too much so I now have this concept called rethinking, but I'm not, at the moment anyway, I'm not trying to make any money out of, out of it. What I'm actually doing is I have a page on my website, um, and at the moment it will be added to, where people can download entirely free resources. They're not forced to um, sign up for a newsletter or something, but they can download resources and they can register online to have an hour's chat with me, completely free of charge, no catches, with unlimited email follow-ups afterwards. And this is not for 
just for people who might be listening in the UK. This is for anybody, wherever they are in the world. So you could be in the States, you could be in India, you could be in Australia. It doesn't make any difference. Just subject to, well, I don't know, reasonable etiquette around time zones. This is my sort of offer to the world. And what, what I'm trying to just trying to do is get people to do that thinking about the post-coronavirus um, world. Um, there are plenty of people who are offering help for people to get through this, but I'm thinking about what happens afterwards and how we how we get on. So I have a page on my website specifically for that, which will be added to as um, time goes by. Just remind us of the URL for that then, please. The, the website is www.derekchasher.com. And there's all sorts of stuff there anyway. But if you want to find out about re the free rethinking offer, just go to the About tab and there's a, a, a menu item called Rethinking the Future and everything is on that page. Absolutely fantastic. I will definitely be looking at that, Derek. Derek, you've been an absolutely awesome guest. I just hope, because it's a pre-recorded show, I just hope I haven't made it too big a discussion and they can still fit the songs in. But I'll tell you what, I, they have to cut a song out, then they have to cut a song out because it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. Um, you at home, thank you very much for listening. Um, I'll see you next time. Derek, you want to say goodbye to our audience? Goodbye, audience. Lovely. And what's your final track? My final track is Walk of Life by Dire Straits. <laughs>